pal, on today's podcast, we have a man who at a very young age decided to make a bold move and quit what would many people would see as a dream job. But it's been the right decision because he now has hundreds of thousands of followers. He's a TikTok <laughs> sensation. He is a very successful coach, coaches all athletes all around the world. That man is Sam Wardrobe. Sam, how are you doing today, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward Enjoy. to getting stuck into the great intro as well thank like you that. thank you i pride myself <laughs> on my intro so i'm glad you like that <laughs> well so sam i think a lot of people who are watching this will know you because let's say you're a tiktok, TikTok sensation uh, and a very very famous man but some of us, <laughs> some of us i don't might... like that i don't like that but i'll tell you what honestly the tiktok has been the most insane thing uh about the last the last year for me because that's when I started posting videos and they were starting to mm -hmm. go viral and stuff and I, I, swear, I was at I was at Jerry Cinema the other week um, and I feel like his audience is like young guys who a majority is your he's got a mixed audience but a lot of it is like young guys who play football right. he was at Hamden and just it was mental just like constantly like just young guys coming up just saying like how are you doing? Asking for photos and stuff. Great. I'm just like, my mates are like, what the hell is this? I know. Right? I am on TikTok as well. <laughs> it's, it is, it's pretty insane the, the, how quickly you can grow on TikTok in comparison to things like Instagram. It's just like, uh, it's, so it's, quick. It's, the only, it's the only platform that uh, has like organic reach. I think yeah. LinkedIn has it as well. So if you post something, you've got the, the if your video is good, it's got the opportunity to go to show to everyone essentially whereas mm -hmm. Instagram used to be like that but not so much anymore. yeah so now you've got to pay for that organic reach on organic <laughs> but yeah that's it and I think I remember my missus ages ago like years ago got a message from TikTok saying like on our Instagram page because she's quite big on Instagram asking if she'd like to like partner up with them and do stuff for TikTok and at the time she was like oh, TikToks for like nah. <laughs> kids dancing and stuff like that I'm not doing that and I said to her you should go for it because like social media has always evolved like instagram was just for like photography at first now look at it. you know what i mean all these things evolved so i said i think you should go for it and because in a few years time it might be completely different of course she knew better and she didn't do it and now we just have to sit oh, back man. and say i told you so oh man but she's checking herself <laughs> i know she is but honestly like i, I don't know what your message does but like see anyone that has a business mm -hmm. like their own business or what, what if they enjoy doing something you can you can post videos and, and you know over time <clears throat> potentially make, make it make a living out of something you really enjoy doing which is which is pretty special i think it's given well, a lot more people more, more opportunity you're 100 right because like at least it's not just about people who've got businesses like i was watching a guy make food in a forest like just because he'd done it and it was <laughs> I'm sure I've seen the same and, stuff. <laughs> yeah and i'm like why am i watching this but it was just captivating and then some guy was cutting up tuna and I was watching them cut up these big massive bits of tuna, and I was just like, "Mate, we we must have the same day, uh, the, the same taste in TikTok." But I that's swear, seen the same guy as well. Huge big so, fish. Yeah, that's it. Huge big fish. Yeah, <laughs> very strange. But yeah, so like, if you whatever you're into, you could literally Aye. be famous on TikTok for it, or at least like Aye. try and get a, like a little side hustle on the go from just your hobby. So it's 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 really really good. Aye. I didn't expect that. I didn't think that's how the podcast would start in the big nah. massive. To, to be fair, I need I need to I need to credit my sister. My sister's a couple of years, well, five years younger than no, eight years younger than me. Right. And she she reckoned, she said to me about just about two years ago, she's like, Sam, you need to start posting on TikTok. So this is when I started my fitness stuff. Mm -hmm. So I started posting fitness stuff when I was still playing, and she was like, Oh, you need to start posting on TikTok. And I was like, I'll give it a go. Right. And then probably a couple of months, I started to get you know a bit of interest, and and there was there was 
a lot of people enjoying the videos. And then from there, I've just, just kind of posted quite consistently. Um, managed, managed to grow a kind of reasonably sized following on it. And off the back of that, kind of, um, or it's helped grow the, the online kind of football coaching business that I've got as well. Yeah. Um, and the, th- the thing is, I'm not just, when I'm posting on TikTok, I'm not posting videos like to try and sell people on, onto, onto the program I have. I'm trying to, so for me, when I ever, whenever I make a video, I want to educate, inspire, and, and, mo- and motivate. That's kind of mm-hmm. like my idea behind every video. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why, you know, people enjoy them because it's quite authentic. It's quite raw behind the scenes. Maybe it's like young players who don't get an insight into, or they don't know how to you know, look after themselves properly. Um, and the feedback, the feedback's so positive. And that's one thing I really like doing. I like, I like making people feel good. So like, it makes me, it makes me, ha- it makes me satisfied that you know there's going to be I don't know a thousand people or I don't know ten thousand people watching a video and they might take something away, um, and it it just makes their day a little bit better because you know they trained a little bit better, they slept a little bit better, they ate a little bit better, you know. That's about making a difference. So it's all about <laughs> all about the impact. That's <laughs> what this job's impact. all about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's take us back and we'll talk about. Basically, I just want to know first how you got into football. So that's how mm-hmm. you kind of built up this audience at the start and stuff. So how was your route into football? How did you get started? Mm-hmm. I know you started up at Celtic, didn't you? So how yeah. did that come about? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so interestingly, like my family's the complete opposite from a football family. Like my dad, my dad was from Edinburgh, like Hibs fan when mm-hmm. he was a kid, but then just kind of like stopped going to games and stuff. So football's never been, it was never on the telly always, you know, when I, when I was young. Obviously, by games and stuff, but it's, I've never had that kind of like pressure or guidance. Being, being like, "Come on, let's 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 make you a footballer." It was just I just love doing it. I mean, I think every young boy like wants to be a footballer. I coach. I still coach like guys that are like 12, 13, 14, 15. And I've been in a few schools and like primary schools to do talks and stuff, and all the boys just want not all of them, but the majority of them want to be footballers. Yeah. So that's that's exactly. <laughs> essentially just how, how I started. I want to be a footballer. I want to be a footballer and I want to be a footballer all the way up until the age of, you know, probably 22, 23. Um, and then I, my, my kinda, I kind of changed a little bit in my head. Um, but yeah, I started off playing locally in Glasgow, a team called Antonine, well, Westerton first, Antonine. Moved to Celtic after like 10 weeks of being scouted slash trialing when I was 12. Um, so signed for them when I was 12. I was there from 12 until 20 till 20 years old mm-hmm. and basically went through the kind of junior academy the i don't know the kind of middle academy then i on to on to kind of get a professional contract and it was i was 15 actually when i went was it 15 when i went full, 15 when i went full time because i've got an october birthday um so the majority of the boys were 16 they started getting paid but i was on expenses from like the summer of that pre-season right like june july until october until christmas actually because that's when i was able to sign the contract um so for six months i was on expenses 100 pounds a week mm-hmm. uh, getting buses, trains from where I live in Bearsden in Glasgow to the city centre of Glasgow. And then we would get picked up in a bus, taken to Barrowfield, the kind of older training, Celtic training ground. Right. Uh, and that would be us every day of the week, full-time, football at 15, living, living the dream. But I went. Um, was, it was a nice time. It was. And what, so what What changed, I suppose? Because it was at 24 years. Is the official award, have you um, retired officially? What is it officially? On a break. I'm going to go on a break. break. We're, we're like Ross <laughs> and Rachel off of Friends. We're on a break. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, you're on a break. I, when did you say, what changed and why did you decide to take that break would be the obvious question, I would guess. So, when I was, so I, I was at Celtic until I was 20, went to London United until I was 22. Come on, um, Adams. Yeah. And then went to, 
<laughs> went to Dumbarton and then Airdrie. And I feel as though in my two years at Dundee United, it was my it was my second year at Dundee United when I did my ACL. I started to look into like like starting your own business kind of thing. Um, it almost became my kind of like fix. So I wasn't I wasn't playing. I had a pretty shitty time um, for a footballer at a club. Didn't play. Got brought to my ACL. So I was out for a year. And during that time, like I get quite obsessed with things. So I couldn't be obsessed with my football because I was limited to what I could do. Couldn't play. Um, at times I wasn't even allowed to train with the first team. Um, when when one of the managers came in, I was with the twenty, so it was very frustrating. Um, and I and I also rushed my ACL, so I couldn't really you know train on the pitch or go out moan or anything like that. So I decided to start looking into starting a business, like a coaching business. I wasn't really sure what it would be if it would be like a kind of personal training thing or a football thing. Um, and it was from that moment when I was probably twenty one that I started to realise that you know there was other things out there that I could maybe have an interest in and. And I could have more control over essentially um, right. in football. And then 22, left Dundee United, went to Dumbarton, played a season there. This is kind of during COVID as well, right? So it's all, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute shit show, right? So there's hardly any football played. Um, and I've, I'm spending more and more time thinking about the bit, thinking about business and coaching and, and what I can do outside of football. Because mm-hmm. obviously I then transitioned to part time, so you have to do something outside of football. Mm-hmm. So the PT qualification again, still not really sure what I wanted to do. And then it was probably when I was after six months of like coaching people, like personal training, doing general population. Like I then realised that football was like my kind of niche, and I know a lot about football. I've got nice experiences, um, and it was probably it's probably only been a year since I've really focused on the football stuff, and. In the last two years, from starting the coaching and now moving into football, I just, I just, I was getting so much fulfillment, satisfaction. Yeah, I really, really liked it, and all those feelings that I used to have for football were just like decreasing. Right. So, okay. I was like, you know what? I'm not even doing myself justice in the pitch. Like I'm on the pitch, and I'm thinking about like, Wait, I, I could do this or this, this, that, and I'm just yeah. like, this isn't. I'm like, I can't fully focus here. Right. Um. So that's that's essentially the ch- why the, the change happened. So. Do you think if the ACL injury didn't happen, now for anyone who doesn't know about ACL injuries, it's like the worst thing you can get. And yeah, it's quite common, unfortunately, that, but yeah. it's the worst thing you can get. So do you think if that never happened and alongside with the COVID, do you think you'd still be playing? Do you think you'd still be, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, honestly, when I went to Dundee United, because I had a really good season the previous year, I was still at Celtic, I went on loan to Dumbarton who were in the championship, mm-hmm. played there did really well which is why I moved to Dundee United mm-hmm. and in my head I also had, I had a couple of agents looking after me as well they were like listen we'll use this as a stepping stone to like move on possibly down south something like that so I've got this in my head but like this is, I'm thinking okay this is this, this is like the next step in the football journey that I, that I really want okay I want to go down south and make, make lots of money like have a nice life kind of thing um, and then then that's when I realized football doesn't doesn't always work out you know it's a complete it's, it's not you're not in control of your football career really okay you're, you're in control of some things but not not always injuries not always team team selection and, and managers mm. um so it was it was strange i had, had a complete pivot you know from like this one idea in my head of right, okay i'm going to use this play really well hopefully get Dundee united promoted maybe move on um to then the complete opposite yeah that's interesting and when you had those feelings was there any like i not like was there any feelings of like, what is wrong with me? Because from the outside looking in, you've got mm-hmm. millions upon millions of people saying, Sam is living the dream right now. Oh, yeah. He's playing for the best team in the country. <laughs> well, 
Dundee. <laughs> in my eyes. The best, and, uh, team, the best team in Dundee. Thank you. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, was there a feeling of, you know, what's wrong with me? Why, why is it like this? Or did you just know, like, oh, I, no, I know why. I just I haven't got the passion yeah. for it anymore. I want to go down this route instead. Yeah. I mean, it was really hard to put my, to put my finger on it mm. because, like, me myself, I was turning up to training and games and I wasn't quite feeling like, like before I used to have like this kind of like burning feeling in my belly, like so motivated, like so focused, so passionate about it. Yeah. And it started to like dip down, dip down. And I was like doing, and then I started going back into things that I used to do all the time before games, like whether it be like pre-match routines or ways of thinking and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, what is, I'm like, what is up with me? It was, it was strange. And then I started to realize that, okay, it's because I want to do something else. And then it's trying to like, like, get yourself to actually then you know do it that was well, hard like going in and step. telling it ah yeah 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 i mean it's it's all relative right it's not it's not it's not the biggest thing in the world but for me just the way my life had been you know as a footballer it was a big thing yeah yes yeah it must must have been pretty hard i was i had a sort of similar thing i worked as a prison officer right okay and i realized like i remember just being at work one day and realizing if i stay in this job i am going to be yeah. I'm, well i'm either going to be depressed or just yeah. super angry, or it's just going to change my personality completely. So I knew I couldn't stay in the job. Like it's only yeah. a job. I, I think I managed four years. I think if I was to do like say a lot of these guys do like 20, 30 years in the job, I'd be a completely mm-hmm. different person. And that's when I realized I needed to have a switch and a change. Yeah. And, and I was fortunate enough to do it uh, or lucky enough to have like the skills in terms of like strength and conditioning and PT and kind of already knew a little mm-hmm. bit about that to be able to do that. But I think what, it's, it's, it's hard to make it's hard to make that transition though, mm-hmm. and I don't think because as you know yourself, it's like the complete fear fear of the unknown. Like you have mm-hmm. no idea how your life's going to look in 12, 18 months time. Whereas if you'd stayed in your job, you, you have an idea. You know how you're you know how the next few years are going to play out. But making that change is the is the hardest thing. Yeah. And I think there's, there's you don't get any guidance on it. There's no one there's no one tell. I mean, your, your family obviously like yeah yeah do what's best for you. But there's no one really saying yeah. But if you do this. So it's actually going to be okay. There's no one saying that. And I, th- I think, honestly, nine times out of ten, if you change, make a change in your life, things always work out, you know, in one way or the other. You yeah. just have to work, maybe work a little bit harder, back against the wall for a while, you know? Well, I think that sometimes is a good thing, though, eh? when you've got no other kind of option there, and especially when you're going into things like me and yourself, when you're essentially self-employed. Like, yeah, you do have the support from the family, or a lot of people do. Some people don't, but there's always you can see they're still thinking if you're leaving a secure job like football it's not the most secure job but you know i mean you're leaving a good wage to go out on your own um Mm. but you're right it is it's a massive step and i think i wish i'd done it earlier like so you've done it quite young and it's great and it's obviously really worked out for you you don't mind me asking i am i'm 32 years young 32. You look, uh, you look young. You look younger, right? Thank I was going to say, say late 20s. There you go. There's a compliment for you, right? <laughs> I think we just stopped the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. What did I do? I did this when I was 28. The thing that made right. it worse for me is uh, my missus left her job as well to go and go self-employed. So we went from two kind of steady incomes yeah. to like two not-so-steady incomes very, yeah. very quickly. So that was another thing. But what, what would your advice be to people who want to leave their job because it's not like i think it's a bad decision people say oh just go and do it and i I almost think that's a bad decision because it's a big decision 
And I don't think it should yeah. be done lightly, and I don't think it should be done without a plan or without oh, yeah. uh, proper thought. But there'll be a lot of people yeah. listening to this who don't like their job. So what would your advice be to them for trying to set up yeah. things alone? I, well, I, I would say don't do anything rash for a start. Mm. Like it took me, it took me twelve months to really, you know, finalise my decision. Um, and a couple of things that make it easier, like one thing in particular is obviously the, one of the biggest worries is the financial worry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made sure, I, mean, I was fortunate enough I was in a position where I could save a bit of money, you know, over over that 12-month period. I was doing it anyway. Um, and I had essentially three months, I, I thought to myself, right, if I had, if I earned no money for the next two or three months, how much money do I need? Okay, put that aside. And it just means when you do make the transition, it's like if things go to shit, you have at least two or three months buffer there. Yeah. Even one month is better than, than, than no months, right? They have a little bit of a buffer there. So it takes the pressure off. So then you don't go from like the job that you hate and then you come out and you're like, I can't really find the thing that I wanted to do. And you go back into another uh, kind of shitty job that you don't like doing, you know? Yeah. Um, you have you have a bit of a buffer there. And I think mm-hmm. that takes like complete pressure off you. Um, and yeah, as, as you said, the, pla- the plan's important. Like have an idea of what you love or what you're not, not necessarily what you love doing, but what you're really interested in. Yeah. Um, or at least one or two options in terms of like, I wouldn't just leave and, and have no idea what you're going to do because I think you could end up in a worse position. Yeah, um, but for right. me, the kind of the, the financial buffer and then having maybe like one or two ideas in your head that, may, that maybe you were even for the last 12 months, like starting to put kind of in, into motion, you know? Mm-hmm. Like for example, yeah. I, I was still playing football, but I did the PT qualification and um, I started coaching people. So that was, without even realising that was me essentially starting, you know, the kind of thing that I maybe... I didn't know I was going to end up doing it, but you're just kind of giving yourself options and and um, I don't know, working on it for for maybe a couple of months before you actually do decide to transition. Yeah. And also, I, I always say like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You leave your job, right? You go and try something else, doesn't work out. You go back to the old job. It's not the worst thing in the world. Well, that's it. There's all there is always that tail between the legs going back to your old job. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I know, take me back. I was also told that by a guy. He said, if you want to leave this job, son, you better do it within five years. And, and what he meant was because the way it was structured in the prison service, after five years, there was like a, a big jump up in wages. Like it was right. just like you, you would naturally, like most people got promoted to the, to the next position. It's uh-huh. just the way it kind of worked. So there was a big jump up in wages. And I know people now who are in different jobs, but have been in it for a long period of time. And they've worked their way up the ladder so much that they're on big wages, like quite a lot of wages. But again, they're not happy. So if you can identify that this job's going to be, isn't a job that you love, if you can identify that earlier, I feel like that would be more beneficial to a lot of guys and girls. 100%. 100%. It's just, it's just difficult. It's, it's, it's a, it's just that perspective Mm. that that comes. I think, I think it's quite a nice one. Um, Like you say, there's different worries. Like there's other worries, like the financial thing and all these different other stresses that come along with. But yeah, and like, for mentally you haven't got a boss like you're in a better you, you know i'm in a better headspace you're obviously yeah. in a better headspace it's, i just yeah. think it's, it's, it's a I, feel, I feel like every, i feel like every, everyone's different though like for example mm-hmm. i've got mates who you know like being told right come into the office at nine you're going to do this today and then you can go home at five yeah 100%. I, I just i just i just hate that like i just i don't like waking up and doing the same thing every single day i like waking up and like my monday's different from my tuesday mm-hmm. obviously there's some days that are, that are the same repetitive right but the most days there was something a little bit different that's going on and to me that just keeps it quite quite exciting 
yeah you're right i think you're right and it's yeah it's, it's very individualized some people wouldn't like being self-employed some people would love it yeah. it's just it's completely up to the person so we're gonna we're gonna pivot slightly and we're gonna talk about what you've done since you have went self-employed essentially i want to bring up brazil because this is oh, interesting yeah. <laughs> because this is this is cool and very brave of you actually probably braver than uh going self-employed you went to the favelas <laughs> of brazil and you managed to survive yeah. so tell us that yeah. story tell us how brazil was well, it's funny right because when i first said i was going to go to brazil like my mum and my gran were like why should they're like it's the most dangerous place you could go like why not go somewhere else like america i'm like i'm like listen none of us have ever been here we have no idea we only we only know the stories and interestingly after coming back i made a good i made a good friend over there an israeli guy and uh, he's been uh, staying he's uh, traveling through Scotland just now he stayed with me last week and he was saying like the like anyone who says somewhere's dangerous has never actually been like this guy he's traveled pretty much all over the world and I'd done mm-hmm. Brazil and I and he was like I've never felt unsafe and even one of my mates is just back from Kenya and he was like I felt completely safe and mm-hmm. um, it's just a perception that people have you know like oh Brazil with favelas it must be so dangerous but I went over there I didn't get any bother or hassle once not once i mean there are dangerous parts but dangerous parts of glasgow there's dangerous parts of dundee right yeah, yeah. um and it's just about if, as long as you're not an idiot as long as you're streetwise you know in the evenings you go out in you know groups you're, you're completely fine but it was an incredible trip and it was just something that i'd always wanted to do so i think it was the second year we weren't allowed to go away during covid i was seeing our mates like i'm still playing football i was like we're just chatting, we're drinking some beers one night, just chatting on the beach kind of thing. And I was like, I'd love to, to go away and do some traveling. And I was just like, I, in my head, I was like, I just can't, you know, cause, because of football. And then one year later, stopped playing football, away to Brazil. And it was just, it was just like, for me, I can't look back at it. I was like, it's nice. It was nice to, to kind of have that discussion and then see it actually play out and, yeah. and, and work. But Brazil was incredible. Um, what did you do? It really was. Did you just play football so was, all day? Or? Well, so I'd, I, I went, I did volunteering for three weeks. Right. Literally in a favela, like an AstroTurf pitch in a favela. And all these kids came down. We, we, we brought, it was kind of organized. So it was a kind of community like hub. We went mm. in, to, they weren't allowed to get the footballs, but we were. So we took the footballs out onto the pitch. And the minute the footballs hit the ground, like all these kids would just descend onto the pitch. Brilliant. Um, and it was mad. All barefoot, like obviously some of them were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and we just played for hours, literally hours and hours and hours. I was knackered because it was boiling over there. And I hadn't played football <laughs> in ages, so I was in bits. Like, see, the first week, I was in pieces, man. My body was in, was in agony. Brilliant. But so, where else are you going to travel to? Have you got anything else on the kind of list to go um, to? Nah, nah, right now I've not, because I feel like it's all, it's all good and well, like traveling and going on holidays. I mean, I am going away in a few weeks, actually, just for a short holiday, though. Um, mm. But I feel like... My, my the business and the stuff I'm trying to do is very early stages and I want to I want to really like dial in and focus on it and work really hard and there's, you're limited to what you can do if you're traveling or abroad yeah, it's not the same as being in your own space and, and and just being comfortable doing what you, you need to do so at the moment I don't have any plans um but I like I like the fact that I, I've, I've now got the kind of freedom to if I wanted to you know in six months time I could yeah, go away for a bit if you wanted to. Yeah. So what are the plans for, for coaching in the business? Give a, give us a little rundown of what the business is for people who might not know. Yeah. So my my main business is the is the, it's called the player program. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just an it's an online program for football players. And I've asked, I've been asked this question loads of times and it's like do I have to be a professional football? And it's like, no, you don't have to be a professional football. You just have to be I've literally had guys who are 
this, this is the age difference in some of the, the players. 14, mm-hmm. 14 is the youngest. I think 14 would, would be the youngest because you have to use the gym. Um, yeah. And I, w- I wouldn't really advise anyone younger than 14 unless they're like supervised using the gym. I don't know, you might you might have different opinions on it. But oh, um, and, and to 48, to 14 to 48 year olds, um, some of them play professionally, some of them play like five sevens, yeah. um, some of them play amateur. So it's, it's like really varied. Um, and luckily through... Uh, we've got 10 minutes left. <laughs> 10 minutes left. And luck- sorry, what happens if I click the luck- upgrade button? Wait a minute. What happens when I do this? You have, you have to pay a fortune. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I refuse to do this. Right, sorry, continue. <laughs> Um, I so and, and and because of because of TikTok because of the reach I've had on TikTok, which is yeah. it's kind of it's, it's global really. I've had players from all over the place join the program, um, which has been pretty incredible. Like I'm sitting chatting to guys from Australia, guys in Dubai, guys in Greece, and funnily enough, I would say most of the players come with come from out west Scotland. A lot Ooh. of Irish players, English players. Yeah, it's interesting. That is interesting. Um, and I say essentially, so so basically, the program itself it used to be a five week program where I would take them through like. All the gym stuff, strength and conditioning, power, strength work, pitch fitness, mm-hmm. um, mobility, prehabilitation, re- rehabilitation, stuff if they needed it. Um, yep. But my knowledge was, was limited on the rehab stuff, which is why I've now brought in a physio um, and also a technical coach because I was never a technical player. So I've brought in a, a technical coach who can assist in that side of things. Um, and yeah, it was five weeks long. And one of the big things for me is it's not just like, here's a plan, go and do it. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of educational stuff together. So the players, you know, when they do finish, like in a year's time, they'll be they'll be like hitting the gym. They'll be like, right, okay, I know why I'm doing this today, or they'll be making themselves a pre-match meal. It's like, right, okay, I know why I need to do this today. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the kind of idea. But it's now it's now a, a in-season program, so players just pay every five weeks um, to stay with us and get the support of myself, the physio, technical coach, and Brilliant. access to all, all the stuff. Go steal all right. of that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I've, I have any coaches that come on, like young guys that are coaches. And they'll say, "Oh, I'll be able to use this in the future." I'm like, "Mate, 100." Like everything, everything that's in this, I've I've taken from other coaches. Well, I probably watched one of your videos and see I a know. nice uh, power movement and, uh, and throwing yeah. it in. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. But it's interesting what you said about the the youth. So, like, obviously, there used to be this idea of like, if you're under 18, you shouldn't do any strength work because it mm-hmm. damages your growth plates and you're you're going to end up four foot two midget. But like, obviously, <laughs> that's kind of been dis. Uh, not dispersed it's kind of been got got away with anyway we don't yeah. believe that anymore but there's still an idea that you shouldn't hit the gym if you're young and you're right if you're unsupervised you shouldn't be doing the gym it's just simple as well, that what, what do you think if you're supervised yeah like if you're supervised from, you what, from what age though like say, say, say if you're talking to it like if you're, if you're a young you're footballer two years old you're in the gym two years I was, absolutely ripped three-year-olds exactly absolutely <laughs> jacked um i don't know like it's hard to put a number on it like people are different people are kind of mature at different ages as suppose. And, yeah yeah like i've i i train a guy luca and i train a guy mckinley and they're very high level athletes who are both boxers mm-hmm. and they they came and started with me like 12 i think okay and like do, 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 is it does it differ between sports <laughs> No, I don't think it does different between sports. I think if, like if you're just a natural athlete, I think you'll be able to see it about when you're 12 years old. Yeah, like, yeah. And obviously, we're not talking about just dropping them underneath a barbell and, and saying start squatting. Like obviously, mm-hmm. it's literally body weight squats first, then yeah. goblet squats, like those kind of things. Um, but the benefits they're seeing now are huge. Like when they compete against other people their age, you can just see physically 
they're just on another level just because they've been doing it for so long. They're now 15, 16, and they're competing against people who still haven't been into the gym. So they've got yeah. four years head start essentially oh, yeah. on these guys and their muscle tones there, they're much stronger than the, the guys. And I think a lot of studies have been put out now where for youth players, the number one thing that separates them is actually strength because it gives them yeah. so many other things. It gives them obviously mm -hmm. speed and power and all this stuff. And and that's a big thing that's going to carry you on in your youth career is, is, is having like that kind of strength. So I think they should be doing it early yeah. on how early i can't say like yeah. i had someone wanting to take my take a six-year-old like adam would you train my six-year-old i was like no i'm not going to train your yeah. six-year-old I think, I think that's a bit ridiculous yeah. but maybe when I you think, start hitting yeah. 12 13 yeah because i think obviously for me the biggest thing is like just when they're that young making sure yeah one they can do the, all the all the movements body weight but also mm. like when you start to add weights on like making sure that just the techniques like yeah because that's the one thing that I've really benefited from, like from when I was at Celtic, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, we were in the gym, sports scientists, one, two sports scientists there, plus the physio, like yep. watching everyone's form, like to a T. So like, I would say my form on everything is, is, is not perfect, but it's, it's completely safe, you know, Pretty decent, yeah. and I've benefited from that. Like I, I just remember everything. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because I did it from such a young age. And I do agree with what you said. Like, I think if there's players doing it, obviously not like killing themselves in the gym. Yeah. When you're a young, young teenager, I think doing it, it will give you a bit of an advantage, you know, as you start to hit your later teens. Well, so, and I always, I always say to guys, I'm like, what are the two things that kind of stop youths progressing? There's two things. It's usually injuries mm -hmm. or it's their mental, like kind of mental foresight and kind of like their attitude, mm -hmm. essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And like, if we can prevent them getting injured, then they're at, they're, there's one oh, yeah. thing gotten rid of already you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i do think it's a huge benefits for youth to be training let's say i can't you can't really put an age definition on it or age number yeah. on it sorry but because you'll get some young boys who look like i've got a young boy i was coaching a young boy um today and he's i think he's 14 and mm. he looks about 20 That's i'm it, just yeah. like what the hell Aye. like he looks like he's been hitting the gym he says he hardly goes to the gym and he looks like he's been hitting the gym for like five years That's which means that. he would have been nine but it's just, just boy, boys, just they just grow and develop at really different paces, and I think that's important as well. Like, if there's young young players listening and they're like getting, you know, annoyed because mm -hmm. they're not seeing progress and stuff. Like, it's just it's you need to be patient. I think it's, until you're 21, like you're still still developing. That's 100 percent right. 100 percent. Do you, when you were doing your ACL rehab, um, yeah. well, when you got injured, was it a contact injury or long contact injury? How did that work? Um, it wasn't contact, so like I just planted my foot and my knee just gave way. You, that's, yeah. I think like eighty percent are non-contact injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, unfortunately, for you're from a situation where you were doing strength and conditioning, so your, yeah. your legs would have been pretty strong already. So like, yeah, they were. Probably, yeah. probably couldn't have prevented that. It's just one you, of those you, things. You do, you get freak things. But the, the thing that. I always remember is the, the movement that I did at the time. It was a little bit unnatural. Like I wouldn't normally do it. Um, mm. I kind of I went to press someone and I wrapped my left leg around one side of them and then I went to get the ball so I planted my left foot in front of them on one side right and then I went to wrap my right leg around the other side like it was very unnatural so you've just kind of what twisted I was doing. twisted just the twisted knee. And it's just just popping it was just like explosion I was oh. like oh shit something's, something's, something's not here. good <laughs> that's it so I was I was speaking to I was speaking to Simon Murray about it Mm. who did his ECL obviously and I went did his rehab and he was just saying like the worst thing was the mental thing was that yeah. like he literally could I think he went to lift his leg off the bed and he couldn't do it because it had been like 
just had no muscle then he just oh, yeah. bursting the tears just like just post up yeah, post up, no, just yeah. couldn't do anything, and he just burst into tears yeah. straight away. And I was like, oh, no wonder, because that's like it's your career, your livelihood, you're providing for people, and yeah. you've went from being a top athlete to now you can't even lift your leg up. It's, it's, a, it's a scary, scary thing. Right, we've got two minutes to get through nice. these very quick, <laughs> rapid fire questions. This is going to be <laughs> intense. Go. First question: <laughs> best player you've played with uh, or trained with? Mikey Johnson or Aiden Nisbet. Okay, good. Do you miss it? No. Wow, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, right, you're retired. Quick 100%. fire here. <laughs> no, what? no, I don't miss I don't miss it, but I do believe I'll I'll play I'll play again at some level in the okay. next you know five years or something. Brilliant. What's your ambition in life and what drives you? Uh, my family drives me mm-hmm. and my my future family drives me. That sound might sound a bit cringy, but it is at the end of the day. That's what really drives me. Um what was that what was the second part of that? Uh what is your ambition in life? Ambition um, is just to be able to live, live a nice life and and be able to kind of do do more of the things that I, that I love doing, which is like have have time to do the things I like doing, have the freedom to do it, um, and yeah, that's that's it. Manager uh, or a manager with the best training methods, and then talk about the crazy guy that I can't pronounce his name. So. Okay, uh, so Brendan Rogers is the best manager 60, that I've 60 ever. Sixty seconds. Brendan Rogers. Rogers is the best manager just because you know obviously his football stuff was, was fantastic but off, off the pitch man managing players um, looking after stuff just the way he looked after everyone it was like such a high high standard you know everything that he did at the club everything just everyone's level was just raised yeah. I thought that was really it's the perfect way to manage I think in any in any outside of sport as well mm-hmm. um, and Shabba Laszlo was the name he was okay. he was an interesting interesting character Um he obviously he didn't speak brilliant English, so a lot of the time I think people would just we would listen to him and we'd just be like, "Look around, anyone know? Anyone know what's going on?" Nope. Okay, <laughs> we'll just we'll give it a go anyway. <laughs> brilliant. Well, Sam, thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Everyone, check Sam on all his social medias. I will tag it in the or I'll link it below. And thank you very much. Thank mate. you, we'll mate. Speak soon. A pleasure. Thank you. Bye bye.